Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. From John chapter 3, we read in Jesus' name. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these miraculous signs you are doing unless God is with him. Jesus replied, Amen, amen, I tell you. Unless someone is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I tell you. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised when I tell you that you must be born from above. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. You are a teacher of Israel, Jesus answered, and you do not know these things? Amen, amen, I tell you. We speak what we know, and we testify about what we, what we have seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the Gospel of Christ. He for his glad Please turn with me to page 29 in the front part of your hymnary. And we'll confess together verses 1 to 19 of the Athanasian Creed. Please confess together with me. Whoever will be saved shall above all else hold the Catholic faith, which faith except it be kept whole and undefiled, without doubt one will perish eternally. And the true Christian faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father infinite, the Son infinite, and the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father eternal, 
the Son eternal, and the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. Just as there are not three uncreated, nor three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. Likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, and the Holy Spirit is almighty. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. Likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Spirit is Lord. And yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. For as we are compelled by Christian truth to acknowledge every person by himself to be both God and Lord, so we are forbidden by the true Christian faith to say that there are three gods or three lords. Please be seated. Holy Trinity Sunday is the day that we confess the doctrine of the Holy Trinity in the Athanasian Creed, uh, what you, uh, part of which you just confessed. It's one of three ecumenical creeds of the church. The doctrine of the Holy Trinity is one that every Christian, no matter the de denomination, uh, Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, uh, Anglican, uh, should be able to confess. You'll notice that the first line of the creed begins, whoever will be saved shall above all else hold the Catholic faith. Now, the word Catholic means universal. Uh, it's not referring to a particular church body. Uh, if it did, the word Catholic would be capitalized. She got into an argument one time. Somebody tried to say that I wasn't part of the, the true Christian faith because uh, I, I used the word Catholic in the creed, and that was wrong. Uh, it's the exact opposite. Um, rather, the doctrine of the Trinity uh, and the two natures of Jesus is a universally accepted teaching or doctrine in Christianity. If a church or individual does not believe in the Trinity, they are not Christian, and they cannot be saved. Of course, the idea that God is three in one is a difficult, even impossible concept to understand. Uh, there's a reason why the creed is so long, after all. But notice that we never say, whoever doesn't understand the Trinity will perish, but whoever doesn't believe in the Trinity will perish. So you don't have to have a doctorate in theology to be saved. You can have faith like a newborn child. Of course, that's exactly what newborn children who are baptized into the name of the Trinity have. That's what Jesus explains to Nicodemus in our Gospel lesson. The Athanasian Creed is different from the other two creeds, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, in, in that it's, it's not so much of an I believe statement like the others are, right? I believe in God the Father Almighty. Uh, rather, this one it is more of a hymnic description of the faith. Uh, you can see the Latin name at the top there, uh, quinquoque vault, uh, whoever will be saved. And, and it reads like a hymn. Uh, it continues, we worship one God and Trinity and Trinity and unity. Uh, you could sing it. And uh, carrying on this tradition, our hymnary, 
uh, points the creed to be chanted. We're not chanting it today, maybe another year uh, we'll try to do that. Uh, but hymn 39 in the hymnal uh, is a paraphrase of the creed. We could actually sing the whole uh, hymn, uh, the, the creed as a hymn. Uh, hymn 38, which we'll sing now, uh, is Martin Luther's magnificent paraphrase of the Nicene Creed. And you'll notice a lot of similarities between the Nicene Creed and the Athanasian Creed uh, a little bit later on. Uh, Luther's hymn 39, uh, 38 is the chief hymn appointed for today. Uh, a lot of people think this one is a, a difficult one to sing, um, but uh, my three-year-old was singing it uh, unprompted the other day. Uh, and so if he can sing it, you can sing it too. Uh, so we'll sing uh, verse 1 of hymn 38. We confess verses 22 through 26 of the Athanasian Creed. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone, not made nor created, but begotten. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. 
And in this Trinity, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another. But all three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal, so that in all things, as said before, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. Whoever will be saved is compelled to think of the Holy Trinity. Every other Sunday of the church year is focused on an event in the life of Christ. Uh, Trinity Sunday is the only day of the year which is focused on a doctrine. And it's common for people to want to hear uh, how Scripture applies to their life, and pastors uh, get a lot of requests to make things applicable and uh, to, to people in their lives. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but the point of our lectionary is not really to bring Jesus into your life, but to bring you into Jesus' life. Because it's in Jesus that you actually have true life. And so, ironically, the doctrine of the Trinity, contrary to what most people think, is actually one of the most practical applications for your life. The practical application is found in our Gospel lesson. In our Gospel lesson, Jesus taught Nicodemus about the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing people to faith through baptism. However, most Christians today strip baptism of all its power and meaning. Most people think that it's just something you do, uh, a rite of passage, you promising something to God, something done in the realm of the law. But baptism, historically and biblically understood, is gospel, something God does. So what does baptism have to do with the Trinity? It is, after all, in the name of the triune God that you are baptized. In baptism, you are given a new birth from above, as Jesus tells Nicodemus. And as you have received a new birth, that means you receive a new name, the name of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So who is this God that you receive his name? Hear the words of the creed that you just confessed. For there is one person, the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit is all one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. So what does this mean? When God created the world, all three persons of the Trinity were active and present. It wasn't just God the Father creating the world. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, along with the Father, created the world. All three have always existed from eternity. They are eternal. The triune God is eternal. It is one. He is one God. And yet each three persons of the Trinity are separate and they are distinct, and yet one at the same time, both singular and plural. And when this triune God made man, he made them man and woman. As Genesis 1 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, singular. Male and female, he created them, plural. To be in the image of God is to be singular and plural, at the same time. It also means to be holy, 
and it also means to be eternal. But we lost the image of God. Marriage, however, is still a picture of the triune God, and this is what Paul says in Ephesians 5. But it's in baptism that God begins to restore the image that was lost. Consider what Paul taught about baptism and the triune God in Ephesians. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, not three gods, one God, who is over all and through all and in us all. So in holy baptism, you become one with God. You become one with the whole church. Separate, of course, but one. There's not many churches. There's one Christian church. There's not many faiths. There's one faith. There's not many baptisms. There's one baptism. And when you receive baptism, when the, when the triune God baptizes you, you become holy because God is giving you his holiness. And when God gives you his holiness, you receive the gift of eternal life. You become eternal as God is eternal. Baptism not only changes your life, it literally joins you to the Holy Trinity. So as we sang in our hymn uh, previously, Triune God, be thou our stay, oh, let us perish never. We'll sing verse 2 now of hymn 38. We confess verses 20, 27 through 35 of the Athanasian Creed. Furthermore, it is necessary for everlasting salvation 
that one also believe faithfully the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man, God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the worlds, and man of the substance of his mother, born in the world. Perfect God and perfect man, of a rational soul and human flesh subsisting, equal to the Father as touching his Godhead, and inferior to the Father as touching his manhood, who, although he is God and man, yet he is not two, but one Christ, one not by changing of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking the manhood into God, one indeed not by confusion of substance, but by oneness of person. For just as the rational soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ. The Athanasian Creed is the last of, written of the three ecumenical creeds. It was written about uh, possibly as late as 650 A.D. Like the Apostles' Creed, though it was not, which was not written by the Apostles, but rather confesses the doctrine of the Apostles, so the Athanasian Creed was not written by Athanasius, but confesses uh, what Athanasius taught and is named in honor of him. Athanasius was born in about 295 A.D. and died in the year 373 A.D. He's famous for attending the Council of Nicaea, uh, which you know uh, from the, the Nicene Creed. That's the council that wrote the Nicene Creed uh, in about 325 A.D. Uh, by the way, this is the same council that, that you know another famous uh, historical figure uh, who was there, uh, Santa Claus. Uh, uh, St. Nicholas was there who helped write the Creed. And the legend is that St. Nicholas uh, punched Arius in the face. Um, so that's uh, something great to remember at Christmas time. Um, but the Nicene Creed was written to, to deal with something called the Arian heresy, uh, which, as you might uh, uh, understand, uh, was initiated by a man named Arius. Uh, Arius said that Jesus was of a different substance than God, that Jesus was less than God. This is a big deal. Uh, if, if Jesus is less than God, then he's not God. And there is no Trinity. Remember that the one Catholic faith thing. This is what the religion of Judaism believes. Jesus is less than God. This is what Islam believes. Jesus is less than God. What, the, what uh, Mormonism believes, Jesus is less than God. And while they confess they believe in God, they do not believe in the triune God, the true God of the Bible. And so they are not saved. The Arians, to get to this dangerous point, uh, employed philosophical constructs to put together who they thought God should logically be. Two natures in one person, just like three persons in one God, doesn't make logical sense. So they define God by what their reason can understand. Athanasius, however, both at the Nicene or the Council of Nicaea and afterwards, 
defended the mystery of the Trinity and the incarnation of Jesus by means of what God has revealed in Scripture, not by reason. This is the same thing Martin Luther did, by the way, in the 1500s, defending justification by faith alone, not by philosophical constructs, uh, as, as members of the other church did and, and later reformers would do, but by Scripture alone. The Christian faith always needs to be defended, which is the reason we continue to confess creeds. But just because something is true, that God is three persons in one God, or that Christ uh, is one person but has two natures, divine and human, doesn't mean it's automatically accepted. Athanasius was banished or imprisoned five times for his steadfast confession. And so 300 years later, the church finally recognized Athanasius' uh, historical and heroic struggle by naming this creed in honor of him. And the Athanasian Creed, as you just did, confesses that Jesus is God and man, God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the world, meaning he, was, he always existed, and man of the substance of his mother, born in the world, born in time as man, perfect God and perfect man, 100% God, 100% man, of a rational soul and human flesh subsisting, equal to the Father as touching his Godhead, and inferior to the Father as touching his manhood. This means that Jesus is not less than God the Father, but in his incarnation, when he became man, and in his state of humiliation, his conception, uh, what you confess in the, in the Apostles' Creed, his conception by the Holy Spirit, uh, birth of the Virgin Mary, his lowly birth, his suffering under Pontius Pilate, and his death on the cross, as God, he lowered himself to be lower than the Father. God actually became man, and as man, humbled himself below the Father in order to save us. The implication of this is lost on most Protestant Christians. The Creed says Christ is one person, not by changing of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking the manhood into God. Jesus taught the same thing to Nicodemus when he uh, confessed that there's only one person who has descended, uh, who has ascended from heaven, the Son of Man, who also descended. But he's the Son of Man who does both. And the heart of this is seen in the Lord's Supper. Most Protestant Christians believe and say that the, the bread and wine cannot be Christ's true body and blood because the finite cannot contain the infinite. That's an argument from reason, just like Arius did. However, Scripture and the Creed confess that Christ's divine attributes are communicated to his human nature, meaning the finite human nature of Christ can and does contain the infinite, divine nature. So, real body and blood of Jesus are within and under bread and wine. That's what you're confessing in the Athanasian Creed. Athanasius himself said, the word of God comes down into the bread and wine, and thus the body confected by the action of the Holy Spirit. After we receive the Lord's Supper this morning, bread, wine, body, and blood, 
we'll sing uh, our hymn of thanksgiving in which we'll say, My heart has now become thy dwelling, O blessed Holy Trinity. Think about that. My heart has now become thy dwelling, O blessed Holy Trinity. This is the unfathomable practical application for you. When you receive the Lord's Supper, you receive Christ, both his divine and human natures. And because Christ is true God, the Holy Trinity comes into your heart to sustain you unto life everlasting. You receive the triune God. So let's sing about the work of the Holy Spirit now in doing this, accomplishing this. Uh, verse 3 of hymn 38. We confess verses 36 to 40 of the Athanasian Creed. Who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. At whose coming all will rise again, with their bodies, and will give an account of their own works. And they that have done good will enter into life everlasting, and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not faithfully and firmly believe this cannot be saved. The Creed concludes very similarly to the Nicene Creed. However, we say something here that surprises many Lutherans. Uh, paragraphs uh, 38 to 39 read, At whose coming all will rise again with their own bodies and will give an account of their own works. And they that have done good will enter into life everlasting, and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. 
And for those of us who hear that salvation is by grace alone, apart from works every Sunday, uh, these lines uh, strike us as quite the opposite. However, this is actually a direct quote from Jesus in John chapter 5. And Jesus, in context there, is not teaching us to trust in our own works. He's referring to the good works that is only possible, the good that is only possible through faith in him, and also the evil that is counted against those who reject him. And you read in our gospel lesson this morning about Nicodemus and Jesus teaching Nicodemus. Immediately following that account uh, are, are these familiar words, John chapter 3, 16. Whoever believes in the only begotten Son shall not perish but have everlasting life. He who believes in the Son is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so, putting that together, they that have done good, who will enter into life everlasting, are those who repent of their sin and believe in Jesus. And they that have done evil, who will enter into everlasting fire, are the unrepentant and unbelieving. This is, once again, the Catholic faith. It is the universal teaching of the Christian church on earth. If you are to be saved, this is what you believe. If you don't believe this, well, I, I, I pray you do believe this. But if not, take a good hard look at what you believe and examine it according to Scripture. Because that's what the creed does. The creed lifts up Christ how he is presented in Scripture, not according to our reason, but the creed lifts up Christ. So we take off our trust off of ourselves and put it squarely in the triune God alone. And everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's sing our doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thank you. 